Man, that was fast. You remember a couple days ago, I gave you the update on Joe Biden's official story of his involvement with his son's foreign business deals. Initially, years ago, Joe said he knew nothing about Hunter's business. Then Hunter accidentally admitted that he and Joe had in fact talked about it. So Joe admitted that he knew about it, but only very little. And he said he was never personally involved. Then a couple years ago, we started to see emails and texts from Hunter's laptop implicating Joe in the business. 10% to the big guy, that sort of thing. Still, Joe maintained he never spoke to any of those corrupt business guys. Then, last week, we learned from Hunter's former business partner, Devin Archer, that Joe not only spoke with the crooks, but was actually present on more than 20 of the business phone calls. So then the official story, I know it's a little dizzying, your head is spinning. The official story became that Biden knew, he discussed it with Hunter, he even spoke with the crooks, but they only talked about the weather. So, you know, he wasn't actually involved. Just uh, passing niceties to appease his son. Well, not 48 hours later, the story has been updated again thanks to a letter from the aforementioned Hunter crony, Devin Archer. This is a letter from Joe Biden while Joe was vice president to Devin Archer dated 2011. The letter reads, Dear Devin, I apologize for not getting a chance to talk to you at the luncheon yesterday. I was having trouble getting away from hosting President Hu, then president of China. I hope I get a chance to see you again soon with Hunter. I hope you enjoyed the lunch thanks for coming, sincerely. And then it's signed, Joe Biden. P.S., this is handwritten, happy you guys are together. So, hey, Devin Archer, I just invited you to this fancy lunch with the president of China. Yeah, sorry I didn't get a chance to publicly chat with you there, but here's a note, partially handwritten, uh, explaining how much I love that you're doing business with my son and coming to lunches with the president of China. Look forward to seeing you again soon with my son. I, I'm harsh on Joe Biden, but I don't think I'm unfair to him. I try to give as charitable a read as I can. How do you read that as anything other than Joe Biden's being actively involved with Hunter's foreign shakedown business for now over 10 years? It's a dozen years. How do you read the unusual act of Joe Biden's, Vice President Joe Biden's, even sending the letter to this then 30-something-year-old partner of Hunter to say nothing of the clearly pointed language in the letter. He's a crook. He's a shakedown artist. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Joe Biden is the same as his son, minus the crack. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. We've got the feel-good video of the day where some immigrant shop workers in New York City beat a shoplifter with a stick. I will get to that. We'll get to how important this is politically and why it, it feels so satisfying just viscerally while we watch it. First, though, we just got to impeach the guy. I have been very slow on calls for impeachment. I don't think impeachment should be wielded capriciously and arbitrarily. I don't think that we should 
only impeach somebody because we've got a political advantage. I think there's a legal predicate we've got to hit. I think prudence has to play a role here. I think prudence is the most important political virtue. I'm with Aristotle on that point. Okay, all of that caution said, we just got to impeach the guy. I don't know what other evidence of what other crimes we could possibly get. I don't know how the political situation in this country could deteriorate anymore. They're trying to put Donald Trump in prison for over 500 years and potentially execute him. What are we waiting for? And it would appear that a number of sitting Republican politicians and leaders agree with this. Lauren Boebert has called for it. Jim Banks has called for it. Nancy Mace has floated the idea. And the great Senator Ted Cruz has suggested impeaching not just Biden, but some of Biden's top lieutenants, too. I believe the House should pursue three separate impeachments. Number one, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. I believe they should impeach him today, right now. His conduct has been atrocious. It's created the worst humanitarian crisis on our southern border in the history of our nation. The second impeachment inquiry that should, should be opened in the House is an impeachment of Merrick Garland, the Attorney General. And the reason is simple. The IRS whistleblowers, if their testimony is accurate, then Attorney General Merrick Garland lied under oath to Congress in response to questioning from me and actively engaged in obstruction of justice. Both of those are felonies for which he should be impeached. But third, Joe Biden, I agree with Speaker McCarthy. I think the House should open an impeachment inquiry. The allegations in that document from the FBI are that Joe Biden directly received a $5 million bribe and got another bribe for his son, Hunter, in exchange for favors from the vice president of the United States. If that is true, he should be impeached. Simple as that. Totally agree. Uh, the, the legal predicate is already there. You don't need to take my word for it. Ted Cruz is one of the best lawyers in the country and one of the sharpest ones out there. And politically, he's very savvy as well. So the, the legal basis, I think we're good. Mayorkas uh, has uh, conducted himself terribly in, in his office. And we have a, this horrific humanitarian crisis down there. Uh, the attorney general speaks for himself and he, he lied under oath to Ted Cruz. And then Biden, we've got a strong evidence of crimes. On the political front then, we need to impeach these people before they imprison us. Remember when Donald Trump said, they're not indicting me, they're indicting you? I think that's a good line. That line is resonating because we know that it's true. No one ever had a problem with Donald Trump until Donald Trump started speaking up for the unheard from men and women of the United States, the deplorables, the irredeemable, the, the people who the Uniparty had not represented for a very long time. And so Donald Trump went from being feted and celebrated and a, a, a pop culture star and named in all these rap songs and admired. All of a sudden, he became the worst criminal. He was colluding with the Russians. He was colluding with the Ukrainians. He's an insurrectionist. He's a terrorist. He's a rapist. He's a murderer. He's, I don't know, whatever. He's all, he's every terrible thing you could possibly, he's a Hitler. He's a, he's everything. Everything bad and evil, they're going to lock him up and potentially execute him, just according to the latest charges. It's not just that they're going after Trump. They're also spying on Catholic masses. It, it's also that they're going in and knocking down the doors of pro-lifers. It's also that they're calling parents domestic terrorists. It's also that they're letting leftist actual criminals off of the hook, violent criminals off of the hook. At a certain point, Republicans need to grow a spine and perhaps some other anatomical features. If you're hearing it from me, 
I am as cautious as it gets when it comes to these kinds of things, then I think the time has come, folks. If the GOP doesn't impeach these people, what's the GOP for? The GOP is for what a lot of us have long feared that it's for, which is to be the junior partner in the liberal political establishment and to be the court jester in the kingdom of liberalism and to put up a pretense of opposition, but always to fold at the crucial moments. Now, speaking of disorder in our political system, when things go a little bit wonky, you're going to want to protect your assets. You're going to want to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. We are days away from the Durban Accords, the greatest threat to the U.S. dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are expected to announce the launch of a new international supercurrency fully backed by gold or other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the U.S. and the dollar as cornerstones of the global financial system. You can protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout from this landmark announcement by diversifying with gold from Birch Gold. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which is right now. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers. Text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. If a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it will be nice to have some gold to depend upon. Text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 989898. Speaking of world leaders, Justin Trudeau, leader of America's Top Hat, has just announced that he is separating from his wife, Sophie Gregoire. Why do I even mention this story? Why am I interested in the marriage of some foreign leader, particularly a foreign leader that I don't like very much, who has been rumored to be the son of Fidel Castro, but I actually don't think he really is. Uh, he's, he's only ideologically the son of Fidel Castro. The reason this story hit me is because I feel bad for Justin Trudeau. I did not think it was possible to feel bad for Justin Trudeau. This is a guy who brutally puts down the ordinary people of his country, shuts them up, locks them in their homes, strips them of their rights, attacks the Canadian truckers, promotes uh, suicide, promotes really a form of homicide. They call it assisted suicide or euthanasia, M-A-I-D, medical assistance in dying. But it's just a way to kill the elderly and the frail and the mentally impaired and the poor and the homeless. He's, he's pushing this around the country such that now a significant portion of Canadians die this way by the state helping them to kill themselves. Uh, a guy puts, pushes radical abortion laws. He's just, he's awful. He's as, he's as bad a leader as it gets. And divorce is so terrible that I still feel bad for him. My interest here is not in Justin Trudeau. It's in divorce. Divorce is so bad. And we just don't talk about it enough. We focus on the abortion issue, rightly so. It's life or death. We focus on some of the radical sexual ideologies that have permeated the country. But we don't talk very much about a part of that that is, I think, a major symptom, but also driver of the sexual revolution, which is divorce. It's just so awful. Divorce is so awful, not just because it screws up kids, not just because it usually ruins the lives of the spouses who split, not just because it's in my view, metaphysically and sacramentally impossible because what God has joined, no man can separate. But because the family is the fundamental political unit. So if you have divorce, then your whole country is going to split apart at the seams. 
It's like cracking the atom. The atom is the, is the smallest physical unit. And when you, when you crack the atom open, things go kablooey. Well, the same thing's true in a political order. When you crack open the family, even families that don't function that well, even the families of bad people like Justin Trudeau, it, it can only hurt. It can only be destructive. And it, it is the culmination of a political process that's been going on for hundreds of years, which is to separate and compartmentalize things in our political order. So we separate church from state. We separate politics from culture. We separate economic considerations from social considerations. We, we separate men from women. We separate races and classes. And we just, we separate everything. We separate scientific considerations from philosophical and theological considerations. We separate law from morality, all the way down to the point that we separate husband from wife. And all the way in our, in our now in our sexual ideologies that are, that are becoming prevalent, we, we try to separate body from soul. It doesn't really work. You know, in that one particular ideology that I'm not allowed to mention on YouTube, I think we know which one I'm talking about. That, that is so, so destructive that I could even feel bad for Justin Trudeau. And so what's the answer to this? Well, we need to convince people that marriage really matters. We got to convince people to stick together and stick it out. Uh, we also need to make it harder to get divorced. No-fault divorce, which was a legal decision, it was, a, it was a decision by our elite political class. It wasn't driven by the people. It wasn't grassroots. It wasn't bottom-up. It was driven by liberal elites. No-fault divorce has been a complete disaster for the human race and certainly for our civilization. Nothing good has come from it. And it's not, it's not even a, a possibility. There's no such thing as a no-fault divorce. If you make a vow to stay with someone forever and then you break that vow, one or both of you breaks that vow, somebody is at fault. Someone's done something right. It's just not possible. It's just a lie to say there's no-fault divorce. And the effects are so, they're so difficult to even put your finger on. I mean, I know, I'm a millennial, so pretty much all of my friends have parents who are divorced. And they're not even aware, often, of, of how the divorce has affected them. But I have friends who were perfectly ordinary, perfectly fine, had a nice life and good behavior. Parents get divorced, and then just you, you see from that very moment, they start to get a little wacky, and they start to go become resentful, and they start to uh, question all sorts of aspects of their identity and their relationship to the community and to religion. It just, it's so subtle. It's like, it's like rayon in a house. I don't know. It's just this poison that spreads through society. You, you're not even aware of it. You, it's, it's even difficult to trace back to the cause. You cannot solve the political problems in the country without addressing the, the rupture that has occurred within the fundamental political unit, which is the family, and the rupture is called divorce. Very sorry for the Trudeaus. Now, moving on to other world leaders, other young global leaders, you know, my friend Vivek Ramaswamy running for president, surging in the polls. Vivek has an asterisk, a question mark around his candidacy that some people have written into this show and brought up. Some people have asked him about in interviews. And it is that Vivek, who is an anti-woke businessman who wrote Woke Inc., who campaigns against ESG, who would seem to be one of the most vocal opponents of the globalist, corporatist, liberal elite, this guy is listed on the World Economic Forum website 
as a young global leader. Now, I have known about this for years. I, I thought, well, Vivek Ramaswamy, why, why is he listed as a WEF guy? And I know, I know that it has driven Vivek crazy because the World Economic Forum invited him to be part of their special elite club, the Young Global Leaders, and he said no. And I know he said no, and I know he never participated in it. He told them, take my name off. I don't want anything to do with you guys. But they listed him anyway. And so because I have a little background knowledge here, I know that these attacks on Vivek are silly. They're spurious attacks. But he finally proved it. He was finally exonerated here of this charge because he got the World Economic Forum to apologize for listing him among their elite. Here's Vivek discussing it. So it was a particular mystery when the World Economic Forum, after I had written against their agenda through my book, Woke Inc. and Otherwise, happened to name me on a list of so-called young global leaders with other so-called successful young Americans and young people around the world. I rejected their award. I declined it. I said that I deeply disagreed with the values of the World Economic Forum and that I wouldn't be a good fit for inclusion. I said it respectfully. A few months later, I was told that my name showed up on their website anyway. I contacted them. I told them to take it down. They had the gall to still leave my name. Yes, I was a successful person in this country, so they thought they could use my name and image along with people like Mark Zuckerberg or others who they had named, Elon Musk, that they had named in the past. I wasn't going to let them get away with that. And so what I did is I said that I'm going to stand up for what's right. I sued them. I filed a lawsuit saying that this was wrong. So he filed a lawsuit and the lawsuit said, hey, take my name down, apologize and give me some money. And they obliged. They wrote, dear Mr. Ramaswamy, we write on behalf of World Economic Forum in reference to the civil action you filed. We write to apologize for this mistake. The forum nominated you in 2021 as a young global leader, listed you in several documents on the website. Shortly afterward, we learned you did not wish to participate in this program. We took steps to remove you, but inadvertently, inadvertently, they say, failed to remove your name from all publications. We acknowledge that this continued inclusion on a young global leader document may have incorrectly implied an association. For that reason, we apologize for this unintentional error. Sincerely, the legal team. And Vivek has said that the monetary damages he received, he's going to donate to the America First Policy Institute or one of these right-wing populist uh, institutes. This is really good stuff. Uh, why does it matter? One, it, it helps Vivek's campaign and it vindicates him on a charge that really was unfair. Uh, but the other reason is it shows you something about, about the way the, the elite liberal establishment works, which is we always think of it from the perspective of the, of the ladder climbers. We always think of it from the perspective of these young, ambitious, probably in many cases sociopathic young people who are seeking association with these really prestigious organizations, these really powerful, shadowy organizations. And uh, so they'll sell their souls out to go have an association with the World Economic Forum or one of these groups. That, that's one way that it works. That, that does happen. But just as the, the ambitious young would-be rulers are ambitious and eager for association with these groups, so too the groups are eager for talent. And so with someone like Vivek, he uh, is a Yale Law School graduate. He's very successful right out the gate in a pharma company. 
He's making a lot of money. He's shaking things up. He's an author. He's going on TV. He, it helps for the, for at least for the liberals that he's Indian and, you know, he's not just a straight white male or anything like that. And uh, so he checks all these boxes and they say, well, we want that guy. We, because not only, we, we don't really care if he, if he le- le- leans on our brand prestige, we want to lean on his reputational prestige. So they recruit him in. And usually people will just go along with it. In Vivek's case, he said, wait, hold on. What do I, I get nothing out of this. They get, they get something out of this. I don't want it because I don't, I don't agree with the World Economic Forum. But it's a reminder because I think there are a lot of theories that groups like WEF, that there are these, these totally omnipotent, powerful organizations that, you know, rule the world and they don't need anybody and everyone's just suckling at the teat of them. No, the, the, the way that this works is a little bit more complicated than that. And they're desperate for talent too. They're desperate to hold on to power. And sometimes you see chinks in the armor, like when they have to apologize for how an association with them has damaged the reputation. You see this in the Bud Light story. You see, you've seen chinks in the armor with the liberal establishment quite a lot in the last few weeks. Now, when you want to hire somebody, you shouldn't just list them as an employee on your website without talking to them. You should, of course, check out ZipRecruiter. Right now, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. If you're hiring, you're probably dealing with economic uncertainty. Now more than ever, it's important to hire the right people faster and more efficiently to keep overall costs down. Thankfully, ZipRecruiter is a hiring partner who's focused on you and your needs. From pricing to technology, everything that ZipRecruiter does is for you and what works best for you. Right now, you can try them for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. ZipRecruiter's smart technology identifies the best matches for your job, lets you invite candidates you really want to apply to your job before other businesses can snag them. I love how their pricing is super duper straightforward. You know what you pay for before you post your job so you can stick to your budget with no surprises. Hire the very best with the help of a partner that is all about you with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free, ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Speaking of presidential candidates, Nikki Haley. Not polling very well, but she's still in the race and she'll probably make it to that first debate. Nikki Haley has a new ad out identifying the enemy, the villain in her presidential campaign. Nikki Haley fought America's enemies at the UN and won. China's dictators want to cover the world in communist tyranny. Nikki Haley, tough as nails, smart as a whip, unafraid to speak the truth. Communist China won't just lose. Like the Soviet Union before it, communist China will end up on the ash heap of history. Nikki Haley, a strong leader for a strong America. SFA Funding is responsible for the content of this advertising. I really like Nikki Haley. This is a very bad ad. It's a very bad ad because it, it looks like something out of the 80s. There, there would be virtually no difference between the ad that Nikki's campaign is running in 2023 and an ad that any Republican would be running from the 1960s through the 1980s. Just replace China with the Soviet Union. And, and here she even alludes to that. She goes, this is just like with the Soviet Union. Our, our battle with China is just like the battle with the Soviet Union. But it's not. It's not. There was a real threat 
of Soviet communism, which had been spreading everywhere, coming in and leading to the end of the world because of this very close nuclear conflict that we, we nearly had. That's not what's going on in China. Frankly, the communism of China is, is not even close to the communism of the Soviet Union. China, though they still have the communist symbols and they'll sometimes still invoke communism, they don't really have even a communist country. They've got their own thing. They've got their own weird thing that allows for markets, uh, that allows for some strong economic growth, that also clamps down on social liberties. And it's just its own thing. And it's just different. And even beyond all of that, the vast majority of Americans, the vast majority of Republicans and conservatives don't view China as the biggest threat to our way of life and our liberties and our property and our families and our traditions. We view liberalism as the big threat. Is, is communist China threatening to lock you up for questioning the 2020 election? Is communist China threatening to take away your job or your reputation or your livelihood for violating the COVID lockdowns? Is communist China trying to deplatform you from social media for violating the, the new woke standards of whatever they pretend is hate speech today? No, it's not. It's the libs. It's the libs here. That threat is a lot closer to home. Does, does Xi Jinping call you a deplorable, irredeemable hillbilly hick who, who ought to just die out of the breeding cycle? Is that, is it, is it communist China that's blowing open the southern border? Is it communist? It's not. It's the, it's the liberal establishment here. Is it communist China that's rigging our elections? No, I don't think it is. It's the libs who are changing all the election rules in the weeks and months before the election, in some cases unconstitutionally. It's the libs. And the, the reason that I suspect whoever on the Nikki Haley campaign put this head together did that, the reason why a lot of more centrist type GOP politicians are leaning in on China and communism is because they don't want to take on liberalism because they're still embracing many of the premises of liberalism. And they're not recognizing what time it is. The time has changed. It's not 1986 anymore. It's 2023. And politics is about applying eternal principles of justice to changing political circumstances. The enemies are different. The problems, the threats right now are different. There's been, on the right, a big shift, really beginning around the time of Trump and propelled in large part by Trump. And the shift is away from the right saying, we're the real liberals. We're the true. We're the classical liberals. We're libertarians. We're, I love liberal. We want to conserve liberalism to something different. Saying, actually, liberalism appears to have eroded our whole society. And America never viewed itself as a liberal democracy until really the middle of the 20th century. We always viewed ourselves as something a little more classical, a little more traditional. We viewed ourselves as a Christian nation. And liberalism has eroded national borders. And liberalism has kicked Christianity out of the public square and, and replaced Christianity as the animating spirit of our civilization. And as we've done that, it, back when we were a Christian nation, you could teach the Bible in schools, you couldn't teach porn in schools. Today, you can, and in some cases must teach porn in schools, including elementary schools, but you're not, the one book you're not allowed to teach is the Bible. And that's no good. And the result of that has been 
the breakup of marriages, the slaughter of hundreds of thousands of babies, a drug crisis that is that is the worst in American history, flung open borders, a, a plummeting of trust in our elections and our, our institutions on both sides of the aisle, and a population that is literally dying because we can't replace ourselves. Huh. I don't blame communist China for that. Wasn't even, communism never really took hold in America. And the people who were overt Marxists, I wrote a whole book about the cultural Marxists, the people who were Marxists, after the end of communism, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, they just kind of became part of the liberal establishment. This was true in the former Soviet bloc. I was just in Hungary. And this was true in the West also. That's the problem here. And I think the, the Republicans who know what time it is, who are going to jump in the polls, are the ones who say, no, it's, it's not just communist China. It's, you can call it wokeism, you can call it political correctness, you can call it leftism, but, or you can, I think, be even more blunt about it and say, no, it's liberalism. There's a problem with liberalism. Right now, go to preborn.com slash Knowles. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saved over 58,000 babies. Thank you to all who made this possible. We need to celebrate these precious babies. When Charlotte found out she was pregnant, she was seven weeks along. In the back of her mind, she thought abortion was the best solution. She went into a preborn clinic, and after hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby on ultrasound, she chose life. Her heart is filled with gratitude for all of you who made this possible. Just 28 bucks a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears that heartbeat, it is a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together, help mothers choose life. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Preborn fundraises separately for all the administrative costs. So every dollar you give goes straight towards saving babies. Go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, and donate right now. It's not, it's not Xi Jinping who's sending our communities up in smoke. Right now, you go to an American city. San Francisco, especially. Good grief, you can barely walk into that city. Chicago, D.C., Los Angeles, New York. Crime is spiking. Disorder is spreading to the point now where people will just regularly go into drug stores, go into convenience stores, and they'll just go in. They'll have a bag or sometimes they'll even have one of those gigantic like 60-gallon uh, trash bins. They'll drag them in and they'll st- start emptying the shelves, put them in. And because our our justice system has been so perverted and corrupted that shop owners are not really allowed to do anything about it. They just have to call the police. The police don't come. It's too much crime. And the people just get away with it. And as a result of this, people can't walk down the street in safety and the shops have to close up shop. Well, there's a video just went viral of some thug, some just ordinary street thug walks in with a giant trash bin into a convenience store and he just starts emptying out the cigarettes. You know, it's, it's just like in uh, Les Miserables trying to steal a loaf of bread to feed your family. No, I don't know. I don't think this guy needs 200 packs of cigarettes to, you know, survive until another day. Well, the shop owners initially say, you can't do anything. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. But then, no, there we go. Then what looks like an immigrant comes over. As one of the guys holds, holds the robber down, this, this immigrant comes over and just starts beating him with a stick. It's a broom handle or something. <laughs> this might be the perfect beatdown I've ever seen. 
And it's the perfect beatdown I've ever seen because the guy didn't shoot him, didn't kill him, didn't stab him. He's not bleeding out or anything. And even the guy holding the stick, he's not cracking the guy in the head. He's not giving a, him a concussion or brain damage. He's just, he's just caning him on his legs and on his torso. Nothing is going to leave a really lasting injury here, but it is going to leave him a lasting lesson, I hope. And why is this video so shocking? These kind of robberies go on in cities all over the country all the time. Why is this one so shocking? Because our political establishment says, hey, if you, if you rob a shop, you're going to be let off the hook. You probably won't even get a slap on the wrist. If you loot during the George Floyd riots for months, coast to coast, yeah, you'll just get your charges dismissed. But if you ever try to stop a robber, we're going to throw the book at you. We're going to charge you with murder. We're going to send you to prison for the rest of your life. And so people rightly who understand the way that our two-tier justice system works, they say, look, I don't want any part of that. Steal my stuff, steal my cigarettes, shut down my shop. I don't want to go to prison because of this two-tiered perverted justice system. But then you see this guy with the turban. The turban is the indication to me that this fella, this shop worker, is an immigrant in New York. This guy, I don't think he's totally familiar with liberal, decadent American culture. The culture that says robbers can do whatever they want, but property owners can't. So this guy looks at him, he says, hold on, get over here. And the guy filming, he says, no, man, you can't do anything. We got to wait for the cops to come. You're not allowed. No, you don't understand, man. You can't. And the guy with the turban, he says, uh, no, I don't think so. Hold that guy. And then so the other, the other person holds the guy down. He starts beating him with a stick. Immigrants have much to teach us. You know, the liberals say, we have so much to learn from the immigrants. Well, I finally agree. You're right. Because in whatever country this guy's from, I prom- I don't know what the country is. I don't know when he came here. I promise you, whatever country that guy is from, they don't just let robbers come in and take your cigarettes. There is, there is a natural impulse for justice. And if the cops aren't going to provide it, and if the prosecutors aren't going to provide it, and if the political establishment's not going to provide it, then we're going to have to provide it ourselves. That's what that guy, that's the idea that that guy is expressing by, by beating the robber very politely, very uh, considerately, I think, with the stick. We have to do it. We live in a political order right now that forgot about justice. And so the, the issue runs a lot deeper than just letting some criminals go in and steal your, your packs of cigarettes. A political order that says there is no such thing as justice. There's no such thing as right and wrong beyond what we say it is. A political order that says that marriage isn't really what marriage is. Political order that says that men are not really men and women are not really women. A political order that says that up is down and black is white. and That perversion of justice is going to spread everywhere. This is why in New York under Giuliani, probably the best mayor in the history of the city, New York, they pursued broken windows policing. Broken windows policing said, we're not only going to go after the toughest, not only are we not going to let the criminals off the hook, we're not only going to focus on the most egregious crimes, we're going to focus on the most minor crimes. We're going to focus on a broken window because when there's a broken window in your neighborhood, that's going to attract criminals like moths to a flame. They're going to say, oh, there's disorder here. Okay, we can wreak havoc. You've got you've to focus on that. This is why Giuliani went in. He didn't cl- clean up the nice neighborhoods. He cleaned up Times Square, which was a degenerate neighborhood. He turned Times Square into Disneyland, and he did it to send a message. This city is going to focus on justice. And 
Once again, we were talking about this with Justin Trudeau. When, when disorder seeps in, it's like rayon in the air. You know, it just, it just, is it rayon or radon? One of them is made to make cheap t-shirts. One of them is a gas that poisons your family. I forget, whichever one it is, it's in the air. It poisons you without you even recognizing it, okay? And much like that, when one insists upon a principle of justice, that's going to spread throughout the air too, and people are going to behave a lot better. It's, it's, politics is not rocket science. It's not theoretical physics, okay? If you just encourage good things and discourage bad things, you're going to get a better society. This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix midnight mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code helixpartner20. Now, you need to give your son and his values a fighting chance with Jeremy's back-to-college deals. Get up to 20% off select razor and men's care bundles. Get Jeremy's shampoo, body wash, and conditioner. All paraben-free, sulfate-free, woke-free, and made in the USA. Get him a Precision 5 razor with welded steel blades, a sturdy tungsten handle, and flip-back trimmer. Unlike your kid's radical professors, Jeremy's aims to groom his face, not his worldview. Go to jeremysrazors.com for major deals on back-to-college bundles today. My favorite comment yesterday is from CoxRocks25. Okay. It says, Michael. Michael says, guys, be more masculine. Michael also says, I love pumpkin spice lattes, drink white claws, and Barbie was a great movie. Michael now update also says, my followers are called cream puffs. Oh, yes. Yeah, so they decided this in the, in the chat yesterday because I referred to the creme de la creme, just offhandedly. Uh, the, you know, the inner circle, not the hoi polloi who watch the show on YouTube, but the people who are members at dailywire.com. And so they've started to refer themselves. They said, we're the creme de la creme, but what does that make an individual member of the creme de la creme? And, and someone, someone suggested cream puff. And I thought, you know, this is not, guys, I don't, I listen to poetry. I like opera. I went to a particularly lavender university. I grew up in New York. I grew up in LA. And the libs, the libs look back at my wayward youth, my acting career. They never focus on the roles that I played that were soldiers. They never focus on the roles that I played that, that were football players. They always find the one gay guy that I played, and they say, there he is. He's a fanook. And now if my listeners call themselves cream puffs, you know, this is not going to help the situation. But hey, what can we do? What can we, qu'est-ce qu'on peut faire? What can we do? Uh, speaking of odd identities, a Japanese fella has, has just spent $14,000 to uh, make himself look like a border collie. He looks like Lassie. Uh, 
He spent it on a costume. Mercifully, this was not a, a, a very extensive hair plug surgery or any other cosmetic surgery. It's just, it's a costume. It's a very convincing costume. Uh, he, he goes by the name Toko, and he just shared a video of him stepping out in public for the first time, rolling around in the park in front of children dressed up as a dog. Uh, he has uh, 42,000 subscribers on YouTube, and this is not just a prank or something, which would be kind of funny. He, he sincerely wants to be an animal. That's what he says on the channel. And, and then here's what else he says. He says, do you remember your dreams from when you were little? You want to be a hero or a wizard. I remember writing in my grade school graduation book that I wanted to be a dog and walk around outside. Yeah, yeah, sure. First of all, in his defense, his costume is much more persuasive than Dylan Mulvaney's. So he's done better there than a lot of confused people. But this is very sad. And what's saddest about it is he seems to be somewhat conscious of the, of the problem here. You see, he says the problem. He says, do you remember your dreams from when you were little? Well, I'm just doing that as an adult. That's the problem. And I think that's what's underlying a lot of the pathologies in our society. Not just people having imaginary identities, but the people who refuse to grow up. The people who, they get married, but they don't, they don't want to really get married. You know, they want to keep their lives mostly separate. They don't want to change their name. They don't want to get a shared bank account. They don't want to change any aspect of their lives. It's, it's, I guess it's technically a marriage, but it's, not, it's still people holding on to their individualism. Or they get married, but they don't want to have kids. Even if they can have kids, they don't want to have kids. They don't want to, or let's say they don't want to get married. Marriage rates have plummeted. Or they don't want to be in a serious relationship. Or they don't want to buy a house. Or they don't want to commit really to anything, which is a, a major problem for the millennial generation. We'll see how it affects the older Zoomers. It's all back to this problem that the border collie man is identifying, which is, you say, well, when I was a little kid, I, I didn't want to do those things. When I was a little kid, I wanted to do X, Y, and Z, and so I'm just going to keep doing X, Y, and Z for the rest of my life. It's very sad. This ties in with the Barbie movie, actually. It's one of the things I really liked about the Barbie movie. I won't talk about the Barbie movie too much, but the Barbie movie plot begins because Barbie is stuck in this perpetual, pointless present. In Barbie land, at the beginning of the movie, every day is exactly the same. Wake up, go to the beach, ha ha, they do beach, you know, they kind of walk around the beach. Then there's a party at Barbie's house, and they all go to the party, but then the boys have to go away because it's girls' night. And then they just, and they do the exact same thing every day. And, it, and it, the, the movie's plot really begins when Barbie says, wait a second, you guys ever think about death? You ever think about time? You ever think about aging and changing? And, and that's the, the driving theme throughout the movie, growing up and what it means, not just for an individual, but even passing on to the next generation and how a society grows up. And we've stopped that. And it's no wonder that as we've stopped the process of individual maturation, as we've stopped uh, looking at and admiring older people, and shifted our focus as a society to now we say we need to learn from the children. Children know everything. We need to listen to them about everything. We need to trust everything that they say. We have to assume that they have perfect faculties of reason. 
Oh, grandma, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Throw her in a home. Kill her through euthanasia. Old people don't. Old people are dumb and stupid and racist, probably, and they don't matter and they should just die. But young little children, they know everything. That's that bizarre inversion of society has led to a society that is dying because it won't grow up. Like this guy won't grow up. It's not. It's not bad that when he was five years old, he said, "I want to be a doggy." That's kind of cute. It's childlike. But when an adult says that, it's childish, and it's very sad, and it's destructive, and it will harm him and the rest of society. There's a real dark side to this. We can, we can make jokes about, and we can even think it's kind of funny. If I walked through the park and I saw some dude in a $15,000, $14,000 border collie suit, I'd probably get a kick out of it, probably take a picture and say, oh, hey, you know, hey, lassie. But then the flip side of it is when it affects people at a, at a deeper level, like in this story that I can't talk about on YouTube. Uh, a Canadian transvestite named Lois Cardinal describes him or herself as a sterilized First Nations post-op transsexual. So I guess this is a fella, this is a guy who had a 2009 surgery to create an imitation uh, lady part out of his inverted male part. And uh, he regrets it. That's becoming increasingly common. The the even darker part here is he's now, because he's Canadian, he, he wants to kill himself. And in Canada, you can kill yourself and you are encouraged to kill yourself. In a normal good society, suicide is illegal and strongly discouraged. And if you, have, if you do commit suicide, people don't talk about it. You don't write about it in the newspapers. There's not usually a, a formal funeral. It's just kind of brushed to so shameful and dark. In Canada, they celebrate it. You have a party. You're going to go kill yourself. Great. The, the government's going to encourage you to do it. And so... This transsexual is saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill myself because I, not only do I continue to have psychological pain, I have constant physical pain from this experimental operation that chopped up my genitals. And you're seeing this, there's really only one major study on the physical effects of the transition, and it just wreaks havoc on the body, and it shortens people's lifespan, and it gives them osteoporosis, gives them chronic pain, gives them incontinence. It's just, it's just horrific. And so this guy says, I'm in constant discomfort and pain. I'm, it's taking the psychological burden on me. If I'm not able to access proper medical care, I don't want to continue to do this. Question to ask here is, have you ever desired something? I have no doubt that the people who have the transgender problem, I have no doubt that they desire it. But have you ever had this experience where you desired something and then you got it? And you had maybe some euphoria because you got the thing that you desired but then it left you with regret. Could be anything. In this case, we're talking about some sexual thing. Maybe it's a, the fifth cookie. You know, you really desire that fifth cookie after, for dessert. And you get it, and you get it, have a euphoria while you're eating it, and then you regret it immediately because you have a stomachache and you feel fat. Or maybe it's a little longer lasting than that. You cheat on your wife. Maybe, or it's some job, or you move to a new city, or you, I don't know, whatever it is. You do something that is not good for you and was not decided upon wisely and with prudence, and then you come to regret it. Yeah, of course. Of course that happens. Happens to us all the time. It's a fact of a fallen world and concupiscence. Our society, before it became shallow and glib and lib and all the rest of it, materialist, we used to recognize that and we had real precautions against that in the family, in the church, in the in the law, in our training, in our education, we had precautions against that. 
those precautions have been blown away. And so when people get caught up in stuff like this, I have basically nothing but pity for them. I have contempt for the liberal political order. I have a great sadness for the nature of this world and the way that modernity has progressed. But I have a great deal of pity for the Lassie guy and, and for this guy, especially for this guy. Say, man, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. It's the responsibility of a political community to help inform you, to help guide you in the right direction. Liberalism doesn't guide you in the right direction. It, it pretends not to guide you in any direction. It says, oh, we're just neutral. You do whatever you want. So you just wander around aimlessly until you're wearing a $15,000 border collie costume where you chop your genitals off and then you want to kill yourself. And that's it. That's the end of it. That's the pointlessness of it. So maybe we need an alternative, an alternative to liberalism. How about that? Well, we'll get into maybe some of those alternatives on Theology Thursday, baby. And we have one of my very best friends, George Farmer, coming on the show. You might know him as Mr. Candace Owens. I know him as the great trad Catholic king of Nashville, Tennessee. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. 